You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Good morning again. I realize I didn't introduce myself for those of you that may be joining us for the very first time. My name is Matt Joya. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am excited that you braved the winter elements. Congratulations, and you made it all the way here. I know the back roads were pretty terrible, um, but I-95 seemed to be uh, wide open. I'm glad to have you here. There's a few things I need to share with you before we jump into our message, which is everybody good? Everybody's good. Everybody's doing okay. Everybody's ready to hear the Word of God. Yes. Raise your hand if you're ready to hear the Word of God. All right, man. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. I don't know if the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. I just want to make sure everybody's in the same place. A couple of things. We unfortunately aren't able to have service on Sunday because the the theater is going to be shut down. So that is the reason we're having our Christmas Eve Eve service. And so that will be our Christmas service. Unfortunately, we're not able to come in on Sunday, but uh, we will be here resuming the following Sunday and the, and the Sundays for the foreseeable future. So I just wanted to give you the details on that. Also, I wanted to encourage you, if you see anything through social media that we post about the Christmas Eve Eve service, or if you're at the lunch table at your cafeteria at work or at school, that you would... Um, kind of muster up the courage to invite your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, even the people you don't like to our Christmas Eve Eve service. People are way more open to coming to church on around Christmas and Easter and you have no idea one invitation can totally alter and change the course of someone's life. I am living proof. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but Jess's family uh, would invite me to church over and over and over and over again. And sometimes I would ghost them. Sometimes I would no call, no show. But they didn't let that stop them. They just continued to invite them. And I had no idea that not only would I end up surrendering my life to Jesus, but that I would end up marrying this woman's daughter. And so you have no idea the inviting somebody to church, all the dominoes that are going to fall into place. So I encourage you um, to invite people to our Friday service. Also, um, the Heat is On campaign. uh, I shared this with our dream team on Wednesday. We had a Christmas party. We've already raised over (laughs) $15,000 for people's heat. You can give it. Yeah, man. I mean... That's you. That's, I mean, that's, that's absolutely extraordinary. If you just look around, I mean, you start dividing and doing the math. I mean, we have a very generous congregation and we've been able to not only do that, but be able to provide a Christmas for a single mother's home for the mothers and also for their children. And we've also been able to provide a Christmas for a veteran family who has recently adopted two children that went through some horrible circumstances. And so it's just amazing all the opportunities that are coming our way. And, you know, we're only in December and we've received many calls already to begin to draw from that silo of funds that we've, we've built um, for heating. So I would just encourage you to continue to pray and ponder in your heart if the Lord would, would have you to continue to give um, towards that initiative. And so... Before I dive into the message, I want to address um, a recent, I feel like I'm on like the verge of scandal here, but I want to, I'm not. Uh, I want to address an article that was written in the Bangor Daily News um, that came out, I believe, on Monday. 
And that article, uh, if you don't read the paper, don't feel bad. Most people don't. But um, it went on to explain how we had uh, sent a, made a proposal to Herman High School uh, to meet in their, uh, in their school. Uh, and so we, that is indeed true. And we, we, we submitted a uh, written uh, proposal, and then we gave an oral presentation uh, at their school board meeting in November, and they had 30 days to send questions and to deliberate. And the, the details of that were a year-long lease, um, and then being able to use, you know, certain, the theater and certain classrooms. And so we, we had prayed, and I had felt the, the peace to at least explore this as a possibility. And the reason that I didn't share it with you is the same reason that I, I don't share that I checked out Days Jeweler on, on uh, what's that, Stillwater, or checked out the mall, I, or checked out Beale College. I'm always investigating, looking for potential uh, places for us to be able to meet that will suit our, our growing needs. And uh, if, I was br if I brought everything to you, it would be like a yo-yo. I'd bring it to you and then I would have to cancel it. I'd bring it to you and I'd have to cancel it. So this is a part of uh, the responsibility that's on my shoulders to explore everything to its fullest potential and then to be able to pray into that to see if that is indeed where the Lord is um, calling us. And I can say to you in front of you that I don't know if the Lord is calling us to move to Herman High School, but as they wrote this article, I, you know, I, I feel that it's the integrous thing to do to be able to share this part of the journey with you. They did indeed uh, bypass our year-long uh, proposal, and they offered um, a month-to-month, -month, which is a bit problematic um, for us. So um, we are currently, you know, praying about how we're going to move forward in regards to that. But I, I just want to make sure that. As, as, as the leader of this church, as a pastor of this church, that I remain transparent and that I'm above reproach and that I'm, you know, I walk in, in humility, but also in integrity, um, you know, sharing everything. So as it stands right now, we are going to continue to meet at uh, Spotlight Cinema, and we are always looking. You know, somebody sent me an email about a property that's right across the road uh, over by the Bear Creek Inn or something, and we're going to explore that because I think we have a responsibility to, to do that. But I wanted you to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. We're not going anywhere, um, and if we do, you know, I would rally you to let you know, hey, we're seriously considering this. Would you pray? And so I just wanted to share that. Interestingly enough, when we started down that venture, something happened that I wasn't quite expecting. As you know, they, they uploaded it online. They wrote a couple of articles in the newspaper. And I was actually shocked uh, at how much um, hate mail <laughs> and hate text messages and social media messages we received um, you know, from people that don't necessarily agree with the church's position on a, on a myriad of different topics, but it just was a reminder to me uh, how divisiveness, how, how divisive our culture um, has become. And I know that a lot of people have made the claim that uh, religion has got too uh, political. And you, if you've been with me for any amount of time, you know that I, I try not to engage in, in political back and forth because I know that there are people that are on the right and on the left and they're all searching for the truth. But 
my experience and my observation has been that I believe that uh, politics has actually become more religious. Because even over the course of my life, I've never seen such um, just uh, division amongst not even being able to sit down with, with someone that has an opposing view. And I share all of this just to say that, you know, challenging times lie ahead for us as believers. We don't go into it defeated because God never leads us into a storm that he doesn't give us the power to overcome. But even as we started to take these steps towards this and begin to come more in the public eye and the public consciousness, I realized how many people stood in opposition to our values and to our beliefs. And that comes with the territory. And God has called us to love our enemies. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 23 that he prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. And I think I've shared this with you many times. That table isn't just for you and God to chill. That table, if you look at the Hebrew word, I think it's like shirak, is actually, it means a banquet table. And the banquet table and the purpose of him preparing a table in the midst of your enemies is to invite your enemies to the table. And so that was God when he sent his son, the most extravagant gift he could possibly give was for all mankind. Good news with great joy for all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, not just the church. And so we are called to love those that are in opposition to us. But we also have to understand and recognize that we have a responsibility to toe the line and to stand for truth. I have an incredible weight that's been put upon my shoulders uh, to speak the truth and to preach the full counsel of God's word. And so I just wanted to share that um, as we move forward and as, you know, there may be groups that stand in opposition to us, each of us has to take a, a, a good hard look at what we believe and what we stand for and are we willing to be publicly persecuted for our beliefs because, you know, Christ tells us there is going to be a time and I believe we're on the verge and the precipice of that time. And again, I don't share this to bring um, any fear in you because we know that we are victorious, but to understand the cost that comes with being a Christian. And I think I was able to experience that on a small, small scale of just sorting through those emails of people, you know, that were, at first, I got to be honest with you, you know, I, I kind of took it back. Everybody wants people to like them, right? And so as you start to see these things, and you're like, well, I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. Um, I, you know, instead of allowing my heart to become hardened, I, I, I realize I need to pray for these people. These people are, are deceived. These people are in the dark. These people um, have a misconception of, of God. And so it's our responsibility to present the gospel to them in a clear and concise way. And so that is uh, where we're at as far as the church, and I will continue to keep you posted. And if any of you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. I'm easily available. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely available. And so just go ahead and send me a message or a text message, okay? All right. I think I've addressed everything that I needed to address. Uh, we're talking about Christmas and the Christmas story. We opened up by talking about patience and how important it is to have 
patience and to recognize that our lives truly are in the palm of our hand. And even when it doesn't appear as if things are working on our behalf, God is working behind the scenes. Patience is the sign that we trust and have faith in God and his plans for our life. And then we talked about joy, one of my favorite subjects. Joy is living in the awareness of God's goodness, faithfulness, and redemptive power. No matter how bad you screw your life up, God can redeem it. No matter how bad things look, God is good, and he will provide a way. And so today we're going to be talking about a subject that is found all throughout Scripture. It's this common thread that we see. And to ask that, I want to, I want to start that, I want to ask this question, how is your Christmas season going? Like, it's a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer out loud, but if you really had to like pinpoint and not just give the knee-jerk response, like, are you stressed? Is it busy? Is it hectic? Is it chaotic? I don't have one minute alone by myself. Like, these are questions that we need to ask ourselves, and most of us find ourselves in, especially during the Christmas season. I have this performance. I have to go to this banquet. I have to make sure I'm at this party and I have to go ahead and get wrapping and I volunteered for this. And it's this time that it was meant for reflection and to enter into God's shalom peace. But if we're honest, most of us come out not rested at all, certainly not at peace, maybe even broke. And so something's happening here where this season where we're supposed to pause the Advent season and reflect on this amazing and extraordinary event in human history, we find ourselves on this hamster wheel of busyness and we're hurrying through everything. I believe it was Carl Jung that said, hurry isn't of the devil, hurry is the devil. And he made that statement because hurry takes you from the present and gets your mind focused on the future, right? And so you, you're robbed of being with the people that you're spending time with. And so I know what it's like to be in a hectic season. I know what it's like to have a lot of things on your calendar, especially as a pastor of a church, you're trying to do you hit as many outreaches as you can. You're trying to meet with as many families as you can because Christmas can be a hard time for families. Um, you're trying to show up to every event when you have six kids. That's hard, okay? One of my sons still has blue marker on his face from Friday, okay? So, look, guys, I know what it's like to be, I kid you not, you'll see him and after church releases, man. You'll be like, man, pray for Pastor Matt. He needs to wash his kids. But I understand that it's a I can't believe we haven't washed his face when he came in this morning. I was like, I just, that happened at school. And I don't know how it happened at school, but anyway. So this time can get busy. And if you're not intentional, it can get away from you. And then you find yourself entering the year more stressed out than maybe even the way that you entered it when you should be entering it from a place of rest. Remember when God created the sun, the moon, and the stars, God created the animals, and God created, you know, the creepy crawly things. And on the sixth day, God created man, right? And so here's man, here's Adam. And, uh, you know, he's created on the sixth day and he wakes up in the morning on the seventh day. This is now his first full day. And he's like, all right, God, what are we going to do? And God says, we're going to rest. What do you mean? Like, I'm ready to do something. No, we're going we're gonna to rest and we're going to work from that rest. 
We're not going to work for that rest. And so we should be coming in at the end of the year into this place of peace, into this place of rest, so that when we start the new year, we have that energy, we have that passion, we have that conviction, and we have that vision for the upcoming year. Not like I'm running on fumes, thank God the holidays are over, I don't have any money in my bank account, I haven't had any time to myself because I've been going here, I've been going there, I've been going here. Whereas, and so if we find ourselves in that position, we've drifted away from God's peace. So for many of us, peace is the polar opposite of everything we're feeling and experiencing in the Christmas season. But peace, my friends, isn't a feeling or an experience. C.S. Lewis said this, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Many of us are striving and, and, and trying to find this peace or climb the corporate ladder. And when we just get that new job title, then we'll be able to relax and slow down only to find out that it brings upon more responsibility and more grinding and, and more running on the hamster wheel. No, peace is not a feeling. It is not an experience. Peace is a person. God doesn't just have peace. He is peace. And Paul says this, confirms this in Ephesians 2.14. He says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Not our PTO, not our 401k, not our children, not our marriage, not our job title. Jesus is our peace. And long before his arrival on the earth, before ever, Jesus ever entered the earth, the prophet Isaiah, 400 years previous, prophesied this. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, he said, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So there's no end to this peace. It doesn't run out after you use it for a certain amount of time. There is no end to his peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. You know, when Isaiah penned these words, the Jewish people began to formulate an idea of what the Messiah's coming was going to look like. Because as I read this scripture, and we still have it on the board, um, there are a lot of political overtones to this. There are these political overtones, and there's this language almost that would suppose that the king is going to return warring to bring about this peace. Because in our, humans, in our human minds, we often think that we must go to battle in order to be able to establish this peace. But that isn't how the Lord came to this earth at all. Which is why many religious leaders of the day completely missed it when Jesus was born and when Jesus was walking the earth. They couldn't recognize the Son of God fully God, fully man, standing right in front of them. 
And this brings up an interesting point that I found over the course of my life, that God will often give you something you need in a package you don't want or you aren't expecting. Many of us are praying and believing and trusting God for this breakthrough in our life. If I just had this, if I just got into this relationship, if my boss would just go ahead and open the door towards this promotion, then I would be at peace. And then when God comes in, he brings that peace in something else. And often as believers, we miss it. So here comes God, born as a child, right? Fully God, fully man. He brings the power and rule of peace, not just into the world, but into our personal lives. He's the embodiment of shalom, wholeness, that we find in relationship with him. The Jewish people, they had this word that encompasses peace. It was shalom. It was this peace that transcended our circumstances, that elevated us above our wants, our needs, and our desires, that brought us peace in the midst of the confusion of this world. So if we're not walking in this shalom peace, we're not walking with God as closely as we could or should. So it's like, it's like if you're driving down the road and one of those lights comes up, which, you know, like I remember driving my car back in the day when I was in college and it looked like a Christmas tree. All these lights on my dashboard were coming on. Like, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. I'll get to, that looks serious. I've never seen that one before. But if we have those lights coming on, if we don't, if we're not experiencing that peace, it's an indicator to us that we've drifted away from God and we've, we've um, elevated other things in our life above his presence. And this is why Jesus invites us into this. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Honestly, some of us have been going to church every Sunday for our entire life. We go to Chick-fil-A once a week. We watch every Kirk Cameron movie that comes out, right? We, have, we live at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> My wife lives at Hobby Lobby. Um, but we're not experiencing this peace. We don't feel at rest. We're still frantic. We're still striving. We still feel like we're on this hamster wheel. And all these labor-saving devices that were supposed to give us more time have actually taken more of our time. And we're busier than we've ever been before. We're way busier than our grandparents ever were. I remember distinct memories etched into my mind of my grandparents sitting on a porch, rocking back and forth, looking at nothing, not even talking to one another, staring out into the distance. And I remember thinking as a child, oh my gosh, I couldn't stand doing that. I'll never do that. And you know what? I don't. 
I don't do that because I don't have the opportunity because all of these devices that we're supposed to promise that we'd have more time to be able to do things like that have actually taken more of our time. And so we are living in a generation that doesn't take time to pause and to enjoy creation, to enjoy the relationships that God has given us, to enjoy this life. Because our minds are either in the past of the things that we haven't done or focused on the things that we need to do. And we're living in this, we're living in this life cycle of busyness and hustle and hurry. And we're missing out on the beauty of what God has given us. So how do we enter into that? If we feel weary, if we feel burdened, the answer is found in the first few words. Come to me. Self-help books are great, but that's not where you're going to find peace. Raises are great, but it's not where you're going to find peace. Relationships are great. God has a significant other for you, but it's not going, it's not going to be where you find peace. Your future husband, your future wife are not the ones that are going to bring peace into your life. Peace comes from being in relationship with God. And those first few words come to me, remind me of James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's not about how many times you come to church early and set up and tear down. It's not about even how many times you bust out your word. It's about being intentional to be present to the moment and to be in relationship with God. Paul said that he prayed without ceasing. Did he not have any other conversations? Was he just going around going, you know, praying, I pray for this Jesus and thank you for this God and thank and he didn't have any relationships? No. It meant that he postured his heart and his spirit in such a way that he inclined his ear to always be open to what the Lord was speaking moment by moment. And you know, as I've grown in my marriage to Jess over the last 15 years, there are times that we've connected without sharing any words at all. In fact, the sign of a healthy and maturing marriage is that the two can be content with being with one another without having to always talk and constantly talk. Now, you got to talk. And you got to be in communication with each other. But I'm telling you, there's a place that you can get to on your front porch, sitting in your rocking chairs, where you can stare out into nothingness and be at peace with one another and this world, and most importantly, with God. And I wonder, in this microwave society where everything's about hustle, we've missed it. Somewhere along the way, we've allowed culture to rob us of our peace. I love how it, it, it gives this scripture in the message. And I'm going to read this to you out of the message. Just, just listen to this. This is so beautiful. Are you tired? Worn out? <laughs> Sounds like a pill commercial. <laughs> okay. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Not a counterfeit rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that because I, I tend to be, you know, the, in the personality test like uh, a D 
or a three that's like a, an achiever and constantly going. And those words like learn how to live lightly, like I, I wrestle with that. Because my mind is always going to other places and I'm always thinking that I got to do this and I got to earn this. And that's something that I actually, honestly, I'm just being transparent. I have to unlearn. I want to be light. I want to be free to be fully present to whoever I'm having a conversation with. I've had the fortune of being under some leaders that have been walking with the Lord for, you know, 50 years. And I've watched as every day they've taken steps closer to God and the words that come out of their mouth, it's like, I talk like a machine gun sometimes, but all they have to do is say a few words. It's like, they've learned to use their mouth like a sniper rifle and I'm like an M60 private. That's like Rambo because I'm like, one of these will hit, one of them will hit. And I'm a, I, I like to believe that I'm growing and maturing in this, but have you ever been around somebody that's, that wears wisdom as a crown? And now that you're thinking of that person, they're not always the most successful people you've ever met. They're not always the ones that, you know, are, are, are trading stocks on Wall Street, but they've somehow learned to be at peace in this world. And wisdom seems to roll off their tongues. And one of the things I notice about these men and women that wear these crowns of wisdom, and, and it's, just a, it's just a joy to be around them. You just feel light and you just feel at peace. Some people you feel like, you feel stressed out when you walk around them. And other people you just feel like, I can be myself. Is that every single one of these people, when you're having a conversation with them, they're looking you right in the eye and you feel like you're the most important person on the face of the planet. And I got to believe that when Jesus was walking the earth, that's how he engaged each and every single person. Sometimes, and even I catch myself doing it, I'm having a conversation with one and I'm thinking about the person I need to have a conversation with over here or my phone just vibrated, so I need to make sure that I check that. But I think as we grow and mature, we need to we need to put those things aside and learn to be present to the moment, to be at peace with God so that we can be at peace with our brothers and sisters. Isaiah prophesied this in chapter 7, verse 14. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. And we talked about this a little last week. Emmanuel means God with us. Us with us. God. With means accompanied by another. We are accompanied by God's peace. If we choose to acknowledge it, you know, it would be pretty weird if Jess and I got in the car and drove here and I didn't say one word to her the whole drive here. But many of us treat the Holy Spirit like that, right? We go through life even though God is with us, even though we claim that Jesus resides in our hearts we don't often incline our ear to hear from him. We almost like ignore him. And then we say, okay, it's time to pray. God, come out of the box. I'm willing to have a conversation with you for 15 minutes. And I'm not here to denigrate spiritual disciplines because that's one of my core messages. I believe in spiritual disciplines. I believe they're the roots that connect us with God. But what I am here to tell you is that God is with you whether you acknowledge it or not. And let me give you this illustration. Right now, if we were to have a television with everybody remember the antennas, Okay, this is the only way I, can, I know how to explain this illustration, but with, with, in the day, you had a television and it had an antenna. And you could get you know, HBO, ABC, NBC, CBS, all of these channels, right? Well, if you have a television and you don't have that antenna, 
It doesn't mean that ABC, ESPN, HBO, NBC aren't in this room. It just means that you haven't put the antenna to be able to receive it. Does that make sense? And so God is with us, but some of us haven't taken the steps to acknowledge and to incline our ear. This is why Jesus is telling his people, man, have eyes to see and ears to hear. They had eyes to see. They just heard everything that he had to share. But what he's, what he's telling them is something outside of the natural realm into the spiritual realm to incline their ear to hear his voice. See, we are, we are, we are accompanied by peace, but do we really believe that? Are we living in that reality or is that just something that we know? Yeah, I know. But are you living that reality out? Or are you trying to manufacture and strive your way to peace? And you got to be honest with yourself. I can't make this call for you. Your wife, your husband can't make this call for you. Honesty is the currency of growth. You have to be honest with yourself. You can fool your wife. You can fool your husband. But you can't fool God. And you'd be a fool to try to fool yourself. And so you have to have the guts and the courage to be honest and saying, I'm a little bit deficient in an area. And that's okay. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But the conviction of hearing his word has challenged me to spend more time inclining my ear to hear his voice. The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. In the Hebrew, means to stop striving. To, to let go, to slacken, or to fully release, to drop. And the words of Elsa, let it go, let it go. And I think about sometimes if we could see in the spiritual realm, how many of us would be coming into church like this, you know, like holding on to stuff that God has told us to let go of. And to trust him in those areas. We can't experience growth. We can't experience our faith going to new levels until we have the, until we can let go of these things in our life. To be still is to let go of, if I don't get this done today, then it's not going to get done and I'm never going to be able to get to it. That mindset, that, yes, we have responsibility. Feed your kids. Wash the blue marker off of their face. Okay? But... I just think sometimes like there's this, there's this ideology that the enemy has infiltrated our, our culture with. It's like everybody has a sofa, but you need a better sofa. Everybody has paint on their walls, but you need better paint. Everybody has, you know, you need shiplap over here and you need a new lamp and you need new lights. And yeah, your window fixtures are okay, but what about these window fixtures? And this is thing that's like constantly, even when you're at home, your wheels are spinning. So it's not just that you're dedicating your, this time and mental power and emotional energy at work to move the needle for your corporation, but then when you get home, you're thinking, well, I gotta upgrade this, I gotta upgrade this, I gotta upgrade this. And we don't spend a lot of time just being still and centering ourselves in God's peace. It means that we surrender and we let go of trying to control time and treating the Sabbath as a full day of rest. And then working from that rest, not working for that rest. Letting go of trying to control our finances. Letting go of trying to control people 
in the outcomes of life and trusting that your life truly is in the palm of God's hand and that God is leading you through this life. Psalm 46 proclaims that he alone is our refuge and our strength in, in our present help in time of need, meaning he's here. And when you need help, he's going to provide it. This scripture shows us that not only is he with us, but he is for us. The Bible says in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said this. Jesus is indicating that the time is now for the believer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back here. I'm going to ask you to stand. This is the point that I really want to get across as we head into this final week of Christmas, which can I just tell you that Christmas isn't relegated to one calendar day that falls at the end of December. Christmas is the revelation that God sent his son into the earth to tear the veil and the separation between God and man so that we could walk in the present life alongside him, bridging the gap from now into eternity for each and every single one of us. So this revelation isn't just relegated to one day. It's something that we should constantly be mindful of in the days, the weeks, the months, the years to come. And that is this. This is what brings you that peace, that your past is redeemed, is dealt with. When the enemy tries to whisper the sins of your past, be reminded of what scripture says. Your sin is as far as, as the east is to the west when you've repented. God can't even remember it anymore because that is not how he sees you. He's redeemed it. Your future is secure. God is going to lead you into everything that he has planned for your life. He's gonna open the doors at the right time. Some of you may be saying, why hasn't this thing happened? Sometimes, I'm going to give you this, and this is mind-boggling. Sometimes things don't happen because it's just not the right time for it to happen. And we get mad at God, and we get mad at our spouse, and we get mad at ourselves. Some of you are mad at yourselves because you feel like you haven't done enough to manifest this thing that you know that God has placed in your heart. And I believe that the word of the Lord is, God opens the door at the right time and he shuts the door at the right time. And there's a peace that comes from trusting in his timeline and not your own. And that's one of the things that some of you may still be holding on to that are robbing you of your peace and joy in this Christmas season. And I believe there is an invitation to let those things go. And you'll find when you start to loosen your grip and open your hands, that something's been removed, that you feel lighter, that you're feeling a new rhythm of grace in this life to, in, to engage with your wife, to engage with your kids, to engage with the busyness of work. You almost feel like you're being carried through. You don't care as much. And that is not to say that you're not giving your best. It just means that you haven't wrapped your whole being to the outcome of stuff. 
biggest revelation is that your present is now here with Jesus. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. There may be some of you in this room that have been doing the church thing for a long, long time. And there may be some of you in this room are here for the very first time because your neighbor or your coworker or your family member invited you. And I want to give you the opportunity today to invite Jesus into your heart. As I've shared these things, you say, man, Matt, I've wrestled with anxiety. I've wrestled with depression. I've wrestled with fear my entire life. I've never experienced peace. I believe that God wants to give you that shalom peace that we talked about today. But it requires, as James 4.8 tells us, we have to draw near to God for him to draw near to us. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Didn't say you might be saved. Didn't say you could be saved. Didn't say, I don't know, 50-50, you should be saved. Magic eight ball, no. It says you will be saved. And so I want to give everyone in this room the opportunity. And if that's you, if you say, I want to walk out of this room knowing that I have a relationship with Christ, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. It's the most important decision that you could ever make. that's okay. I'm going to pray for everyone else that they would experience God's shalom peace. Dear Heavenly Father, you know every thought racing through our mind, every emotion flickering inside of our hearts. You know everything that we're holding on to and trying to strive to attain. And I pray for the courage inside of this room for each and every single one of us to let go of those things that are honestly hollow promises that the world tries to entice us with that we would be able to let go of those things and embrace our relationship with you. I pray that your supernatural peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that can't be defined by human logic, that transcends us above the adversity and obstacles with this life, that that peace would guard everyone's heart and their mind in your son, Christ Jesus. I pray that for all of us, when we, when we feel ourselves beginning to pick up that anxiety ball or beginning to fit, pick up that, that depression, Lord, that we would have the discernment to take those thoughts captive and to make them obedient to Christ, to invite you into our life, to incline our ear to hear your voice. I pray that we would be peacemakers bringing peace into our household, bringing peace into our relationships, bringing peace into our places of occupation. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you all so, so much. Remember, Friday is the 23rd, our Christmas Eve Eve service. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.